Amen. Yeah, so we're, we've been celebrating. Nice. I'm trying to preach the word here, okay? Somebody help me today. We, we have been, watch the archive messages and you'll know what we've been talking about. How's that? But basically, talking about God's end-time strategy, it's an all-time strategy, really, for the world. And that's important to all of us. Um, the world is in desperate need. God's remedy was to bring His Son, die for our sins, raise Him from the dead as a sign that we're forgiven, but also to empower people who had lost their authority and lost their power. And then He says to His followers, hang out because as soon as I ascend and I get things in the heavenly realm right I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and you church are not going to be an impotent powerless church you're going to be full of my spirit but I don't want you to launch out in your mission until you get full of my spirit and then it happened just like he said it would and, and the church got baptized in, in the Holy Spirit and they began moving out and we said that the end time strategy of God is a church full of the Holy Spirit bringing heaven to earth let it be on earth like it is in heaven in a very practical way is through people through believers who are carrying the person and the presence of the holy spirit and practically speaking you know we talked about john's gospel chapter 7 verse 37 38 where jesus stands up on the last day the great day of the feast and he says if any man's thirsty let him come to me and drink he that believes on me as the scripture has said out of his innermost being is going to flow a river right this he was speaking of the spirit right so we know that god's plan is that something's flowing through our lives so we've been saying this little thing how's it flowing because it's supposed to be flowing in each of our lives where is it going there's a purpose for the flow in your life there's an intended target for each one of us and is it growing god's work in us should be increasing more and more and i think it's okay to stop and ask yourself you know how's it flowing in my life and where is it going? What's God doing with me? Where is he taking me? And is that which God is doing growing in my life? So that just, that's a real quick synopsis recap, I know. But that's kind of where we've been. And practically speaking, the flow of the Holy Spirit manifests itself through gifts and fruits, practically speaking. So we've been celebrating that, encouraging people uh, to not waste their lives with things that don't matter but give yourselves to the purpose and the plan of God. So last week, um, kind of drove that point home. And in the midst of it, I, I fully expect this, by the way, things start bubbling up in people, okay? Things get stirred up, which is part of why I'm up here preaching, hopefully. I'm not just trying to get you excited so you can go back out the doors and do the same old stuff the rest of your life. But something would change. Something would happen on the inside. There'd be a witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So in the course of that, I was at our home group. Our dear sister Sandy, towards the end of the meeting, had sat down on the piano and was just plunking away there a little bit. And Christy had mentioned to me that she actually was quite an accomplished pianist and um, that was hiding her gift. <laughs> and, uh, and she wrote a beautiful song of the women's Linus Rising, got to hear it the other night, a song that the Lord gave her concerning living waters, which happened prior to coming here, and it was part of the way God brought her here. So in honoring of the messages I've been preaching and just allowing the Lord, you know, when the gifts start stirring, there should be an opportunity. And I realize it's like air traffic controlling sometimes, but there should be an opportunity to let it. So I want to welcome our dear sister Sandy. And she's just going to minister this song before the Lord. And then I'm going to do everything I can to keep my sermon um, concise and within the brackets of eternity. Okay? That's my goal. Amen. <laughs> I'm in for a long one, sister. No, you're not. It's going to be great. Trust me. <laughs> Praise you, Lord.
Praise God. I so appreciate you, Sandy, just getting out there. Amen. Amen. I know what that feels like. Yeah, God's just doing a neat thing there. And I thank God that you're willing to put your, your gift out there for use. You know, we touched on it last week about the stewards and about the one steward who really the, the master was not pleased with was the one who hid their talent, just hid it. And uh, Sandy decided she wasn't going to hide her talent. And 
said, praise God. Awesome. <clears throat> so, again, we're just uh, in a season, and I believe it's an important season for awakening our calling, our destiny, and giving real practical things that we can begin to engage in in our lives. And we've been zeroing down. We've actually taught through out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All these messages are archived if you're interested in one or the other in particular. But we've taught through the, what is commonly called the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've talked about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, uh, gifts of healing, working of miracles. We've talked about faith, basically nine gifts that are listed there. Each one has a unique um, manifestation. And we said that not, you know, not everybody is flowing in all of those giftings, but each of us are unique and that the eye cannot say of the hand that I have no need of you. So we've been, I've been trying to stir up in my own life and I'm praying to God that you too would feel compelled to stir up the grace you've received in your life and that together God would use us to make a difference in this world. I'm telling you, you can run and you can hide, but you're never going to escape the reality that God has a calling on your life. You may not be a pastor in that sense or a formal minister that's, you know, in the eyes of the public set out there like that. But let me tell you, you are absolutely, if you are a born-again Christian, a minister of the gospel, and you have a mandate on your life, a very important mandate. And finding that out, to me, is really essential. So <clears throat> we've talked a little bit recently out of Romans chapter 12, and we talked about, you know, Paul and his, the Apostle Paul. He says, I beseech you, I am pleading with you by the mercies of God or in view of the mercies of God that you present yourselves, right? Every one of us has a, a response that God is waiting to hear. When way or, one way or the other, we have to respond to the Lord here. But Paul says, I beseech you that you'd present yourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is your reasonable worship it's only right and fitting in view of the mercies of God what God did for you and did for me it's only right that we give ourselves to the Lord and no coincidence right after he says that he starts talking about another set of giftings which often are called the motivational gifts and there's just a different listing some would say some of those are overlaps but in either case the point is simple to me God's saying what are you going to do with the mercy you've received and the grace you've received, are you going to take that freedom? I'm no longer going to hell. I'm no longer living under condemnation. Are you going to take all of that and then just go do your own thing for your own well-being? Or are you in love and for love's sake going to turn back to the one who made it all possible and say, God, in view of your mercies over my life, I'm going to present myself to you as a living sacrifice, not my will for my life, but your will be done. And here's how I'm going to do it, practically speaking, because it goes right into those lists of gifts. I'm going to figure out how you've anointed me and what you've wired me for, and then I'm going to let that be an indicator. I've, I've said it many times, but your grace marks your place. Your grace marks your place. So you say, well, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Well, what works for you? What what burdens you? What, is, what do you find yourself... You know, to me, I've tried a lot of stuff throughout my life. But there are certain reoccurring themes in my life. You know what I'm talking about when I say reoccurring themes? I try this, and oh, that's kind of fun, but you know, I kind of lose interest with it eventually. But there's some things I just keep coming back to over and over again. And generally speaking, and that's why the longer you live, hopefully the more dialed in you're becoming. Okay? to that purpose and plan for your life. But your grace, or the thing that works for you, the grace marks the place. Okay, And uh, so I want to just kind of pick up on that theme, and I'm going to do my best today to just give you something to chew on that will bring nutrients and boldness, and maybe uh, it will empower you to reach out a little bit more. Because we're all about going for that next level. Praise God. I don't know about you. I don't want to go backwards, and I don't want to plateau. I want to move on while there's yet time to do so. Praise God. Are you happy today? Good. I'm so glad. If you're not, just fake it. Make me feel good. That's all right. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 12, um, 
I'm going to begin in verse 3, Romans 12 and 3. And I just want to highlight two really key words. The word grace and the word faith. The word grace and the word faith. If for some reason you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a seat right underneath you there somewhere. Or just pull it up on your phone if you've got one of those phones that's smart. Um, Romans 12 and verse 3. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, so listen, he's just finished talking about the living sacrifice and beseeching people to lay them, their lives down for the Lord and so on. And now in verse 3 he says, For I say, through the grace, there's the word, I say through the grace given unto me. Now Paul, the apostle, understood the principle. He says, right now, I'm talking to you by a grace that I've received. I'm not just talking to you because I like talking. I'm actually talking to you because I received a grace, and from that grace... I'm speaking to you, Paul says. And he says what he says, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, what are the two words I told you I wanted to focus on? Grace and faith. And here they are. Paul says, I'm speaking to you by the grace I've received. That, you know, people don't get all puffed up and, and, and take credit for something that was a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't produce it. It wasn't like you invented it. God gave you something. So don't lose sight of the fact that whatever you're carrying is a gift you've received. Okay, walk in a good spirit with that. And he says, but then, but then I want you to all know that everyone has got some faith that goes with this grace. And this is what I'm going to really get to, get to here today, is that grace and faith must pull together. You've received grace, but let me say it this way. If you don't mix some faith with the grace you've received, you'll never do anything with the grace you've received. If you think the grace is all of a sudden going to just jump up and do it, forget it. There is a cooperation God's looking for. And that's where your faith must be employed and engaged. Okay, so it's exciting, but it's also important to understand the mechanics of this a little bit. Because if you're over here waiting, God, I'm just waiting for you to move in my life. I kind of feel stirred by those things, and, and they're there, but I'm just waiting for that stirring to get so big inside of me that something happens. God's saying, no, no, the stirring is there as an indicator, and now what I'm looking for is some faith that says, I'm going to start moving out, Sandy. I'm going to go ahead and mix a little faith with my grace and see what God does with it. So Paul here, he's saying, I've got grace, and I'm speaking from the grace, and he says to everyone, to every man, everyone has received a measure of faith or the ability to believe and trust. For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let me say to you, if you're different, or you can do something you know, by somebody's standards better than somebody else. Um, the only thing that makes any of us different from anybody else is the grace we've received. There is no boasting here. Praise God. And if you get off into the trap of boasting and pride, it's an unfortunate season you have to go through. I, I don't know how else to describe that because here's what my experience has taught me and here's what the Bible says plainly. God resists the proud. But he gives, come on, grace to the humble. So we all like grace because grace makes things happen. It makes things work. Things, you know, it's awesome. It's God's ability and his favor and on our hearts. But, but I, I'm a steward of that grace. And so we're one member. We're, uh, we're individual members, but one body. We differ in our functions, and we differ according to the grace we've received grace that's been given to us. And he goes on, I'm not going to do it all here today, later on in the future, God willing. But, you know, he goes on to give a list of whether prophecy, let us prophesy. And I wanted to include this last part of this verse here because it's important. If, you pro if your gift is prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now notice this. The gift, the grace gift, it's the word in the Greek charis, where we get our word charismatic from charis, grace, gift. It's really the idea, I got something, prophecy, I got a gift, great. And he says, well, if you're going to operate in that gift, do it according to the proportion of faith or out of faith. For that gift to be effective, 
It's going to take your engaging in faith with the Lord. You know, if you've ever stepped out in the area, let's use prophecy as an example, you know that usually you don't have everything God's about to say. What you get is a little piece of something. But you got this bubbling up on the inside that says, I want to speak. It's the Holy Spirit saying, I want to speak prophetically. Well, your part and my part becomes, if that's happening to us, I'm going to step out in faith with the part that I have. And I think part of my problem, and I think it's probably yours too, is that we're waiting for the whole enchilada before we step out. And God's saying, well, if you could do it, I, I, I want some faith here. I want you to have to trust me. I want you to, to, to go ahead and risk some things because it's in that place of faith that I've chosen to meet you and it not be of you but of me because if you had all the details you'd plan it you'd advertise it you'd you know you'd promote it you'd market it you'd do God says I don't want to I don't I don't want to do all that stuff I just want it to happen now so people know it's from me so here we've got this principle grace we've received and then faith which is our portion of the deal to get it done so <clears throat> grace and faith and I love you know again I'm, I'm going to edit some of this today for our time's sake but I'd love for you just to ponder the context of what Paul is saying beseech, your, beseech you by the mercies of God present yourself to the Lord living sacrifices he's been so good to you what does that mean to you and are you, are you grateful for that and then he says we're one body and really, if you're going to really succeed, you're going to have to figure out your part in the body. How do you fit? How do you complement? You know, we're not competing. We're completing one another. And where, do, where does your part fit in there? And then he goes into this beautiful idea of now take your faith. You know, we talked about joining our brooms together last week and about how together so much can happen in our lives and through our lives. And I'm believing for God to do an amazing move of His Spirit right now in our generation while there's still time. So faith and grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Very familiar verses of Scripture, actually 8, 9 and 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved. Here it is. Through faith. Notice the friendship of grace and faith. Grace made it possible and your faith made it so. Okay? Grace made it possible, and your faith made it so. It was your ability. God's given us that faith to make the choice and to receive. And so, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift, praise God, of God. Not as a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know I'm just repeating in some ways from different angles the same ideas, but hear it again. By grace we are saved through the vehicle of faith. Yes, my faith mattered when it come to my, came to my salvation. He says it's not your own doing, it's a gift. Now I want you to catch this idea that whatever God, it starts that way with your salvation, but I'm talking about spiritual gifts right now. And whatever you've got by way of grace, it's a gift from God. There is no boasting. Now you can be a steward of your grace and actually grow your grace. You know that. You can grow your grace. Stewardship. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what I gave you. Now I'm going to give you some more. Right? I'm convinced of that. But don't ever confuse the idea that it's a gift no one can boast. And then he goes right into this. Okay, you got it. You got a grace and faith there present in your life. And he just says this. I want to remind you that you were created to do something with it. That's paraphrased. That's my version. But you can read it right there. You were created to not just be on the receiving end of grace and faith, but to actually do something with what you've received because he says we were created we're his workmanship he made us, formed us but we were created for good works which God prepared before hand 
some say before the foundation of the world, that we should walk in them. Do you, and I don't know where you're at theologically here, but let me just suggest to you what I hear the scripture saying here, is that before I was ever in that woman right there's womb, that's my mama right there, before I was ever in her womb, I believe God knew me. I don't believe I'm just a random accident, boom, happened to show up. No, God knew me and he knew you. And in knowing us, he actually had ordained, preordained. If you don't believe this, go look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet. He actually had an assignment from the conception. I mean, from before then, in the heart of God was this assignment. So I'm convinced that that principle is the writing principle for all of our lives, that you're not just an accident. You were born God knowing when you would be born, how you would be born, what your skill sets would be, your, your life experiences would be. And in his mind, he's saying, I've got something ordained for you to walk in. The unfortunate thing is that the devil comes quickly to derail us, distract us, sell us a different plan for our lives. I've seen it happen. I've lived that unfortunate reality at a certain stage in my life where I was out trying to do my own thing and I was totally missing what God had in mind. And you'll never be so frustrated as when you're doing your own thing. But when we finally surrender and realize that God's plan is better than your plan, you might not see that initially, but I'm telling you, you know, like Arthur used to say, you either believe it or prove it. But it is what it is. God's plan is absolutely better than ours. So there's these, we've received grace. We've got a measure of faith that we're supposed to employ it. But where, in what direction are we going to employ this faith? Well, I want to get on with the plan God had in mind for me from the foundation of the world. And if you don't take anything else out of this meeting today, maybe you could leave here with that resounding question in your heart. God, am I in the place, and am I doing what you've asked me to do? And is there anything you want to talk to me about? I had an experience a while back. Um, I don't think he would mind me sharing, but it has to do with my son. And he and I were fishing. And um, at this time in his life, he was making some choices that I thought, gosh, you know, that's not going to serve him very well. And I'd love a chance to speak into his life and just encourage him as his father to reconsider some of the choices he was making you know so me I was just thinking well we're gonna go fishing today and you know the moment usually when you're fishing there's always a moment when things quiet down and you can talk right so we're out there fishing and I thought at that moment I'm gonna slide in and do the father thing you know so the moment hit the moment arrived at least by my estimation and uh so I said you know I said, gosh, I find myself in this really interesting place. I said, uh, I said, you know, I just, on one hand, I said, I'm just so proud of you and what's going on and how God's working in your life. It's awesome. I said, and, uh, and I said, on the other hand, I said, there's times, I said, I'm so excited. I said, I want more for your life. Please hear this as if God the Father is speaking to you today. I want more for your life. I, I, I so want to see you stand on my shoulders and go beyond me because of a genuine, pure father's love. You know, nothing but. I mean, just, gosh, I just, anything I could do to help you go beyond me, I want to see that happen. And I said, but I find myself in this kind of awkward spot because um, I, you're a man. You're not a kid. And I'd hate for you to think I'm trying to tell you what to do or like I'm trying to tell you how to run your life. I said, you know, so my, my, my desire was that in that moment, he would say to me, God, he would see my heart, the purity of my heart, and he would just say to me, gosh, Dad, if there's anything you ever want to say to me, say it. But he didn't. <laughs> ever had one of those moments? He didn't. And he was very polite, which, you know, I taught him how to be polite and everything, you know. <laughs> he was very polite. He said, you know, Dad, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Like, invite me in. Because if you invite me in, I can talk to you. But if you don't invite me in, I can't talk to you. Please hear me. Hear what I'm saying today. So it's kind of like, well, hand me another shrimp. <laughs> We're fishing, you know. So later on, I'm home. 
and I'm cleaning the boat. Just me and the boat and God. And I'm thinking about that moment. I'm thinking about that moment. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why wouldn't he let me in? Didn't he see my heart? And I wasn't rude or anything. I just was, I was just pondering the dynamic there of that moment. I'm thinking, why? And all of a sudden, as I'm thinking about that and frustrated with, the, with what happened, kind of, you know, I felt the Lord come up over my shoulder. You ever had that happen? And it, and it was like this thing hit me like, God, have I ever not invited you in? I tell you, I was so convicted. Me, the boat, and God. I mean, I was just, I was in this place of just, gosh. Because I knew my heart for my son. And then I realized God's heart for me was so pure that if he ever had anything to say to me, it would not be because he wants to take my fun away or somehow make me go do something that wasn't going to be beneficial. Because I knew my heart for my son. It was so pure. It was so... And if he had just listened to me in that moment, I tell you, there were some things I could have really helped him with, but I needed an invitation. And I'm telling you, there comes a point where God is saying, I'm convinced to all of us, will you see my heart... I'm for you, not against you. I want you to succeed more than you want to succeed. And then in seeing his heart, we would get bold enough to say, God, if there's anything you want to say to me, anything. I realize, you know, you might say some things that might ruffle my little kingdom I've built or something, but the truth is, if my little kingdom is taking me down a path of pain and hurt and you know, David said, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. It literally means any way of pain in me. Search me, God, and see my heart. And if you see something I don't see, which, by the way, he sees a lot of stuff you don't see, then talk to me about it, God. So I have to tell you what I've started doing pretty much on a daily basis when I have my prayer time with the Lord, I stop strategically at a given point on the path I walk on in prayer. And I say, and I remember that day. I remember that moment. And I, I'm telling you, I do this. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not. It's life to me. And I stop and I say to the Lord, I say, Lord, if there's anything you want to say to me today, I want it just official right now in front of the angels, in front of devils, in front of my own soul. I want it official. If there's anything you want to talk to me about today, talk on. Great prayer. I'm telling you, it's done more to change my life approaching God in this way. So, the plan for you, the plan for me, it's from eternity past, and it's powerful, it's beautiful, it's satisfying, it's better than your plan. It's much more fulfilling, much more satisfying than anything you could ever conjure up, and God wants to share it, but he's looking for people who are interested and who are willing, here's a word, to adjust what they currently have. Willing to adjust what you currently have to get what God has. All right. Grace and faith. Grace and faith. We know the principle, hopefully, faith without works is dead. See, the whole reason grace is a gift and then faith comes to empower the gift to operate if, if, if it doesn't do something, then it's kind of pointless. Or we could say unfulfilled. Because, yes, nice that you're not going to hell because you've received grace and by faith you're going to heaven. Nice. But do you think that's all God has for you? Just escape hell and get into heaven? If that's the case, you are, you are living way below the plans and the significance really God wanted to stamp you with in partnership with him. Significance that he wants to stamp us with. Romans 5 and 1 you know it's an important verse to me because it says this you know we access grace by faith. Access. You know you actually have an access card. I watch these, these people. Our daughter works at the gym you know and people can come in 24-7 into the gym. How? little swipe card access card access card 
We can access grace. So many times we're living and going without because we haven't accessed grace God has already made available. You know, there are some things we're asking God for He's already given. But we're not accessing the grace because we've not understood faith. Faith is the access card to grace. Things that have been given. Gifts from the Holy Spirit. Power. I loved it the day we sat here and we talked about the gift of prophecy and at the end of the service, we had people pray for one another. People were sitting right beside each other and they stopped and they prayed and they listened for just a word, an exhortation, something to edify, you know, exhortation, edification or comfort, right? And, uh, and people began praying over each other and the testimonies I heard of people who were so encouraged and I got to thinking about it, you know what? If we hadn't stopped and prayed like that that day, people would have come and gone and not received a provision that was sitting in the pew beside them. It was already there. But the only reason they got the benefit of it is because by faith we activated something we stretched out there a little bit and all of a sudden benefits start flowing how much benefit is resident right here right now in our lives that's not being tapped well i'm tired of of you know asking god to give things that have already been given but have not been engaged because we haven't used our faith so accessing it here it is romans 5 he says this, Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Do you see that? We access by faith the grace that's been given. Access it by faith. You say, Pastor, where are you going with all of this stuff? Well, here's where I'm going, I hope. I think. Right here, right now, is sitting present in this congregation, in your life, individually, collectively. Amazing things waiting to be accessed. I have no doubt God's going to give more down the road, but he's going to give more down the road once we've been good stewards with that which we've received. So what he's saying, to me at least, what I hear is, I'm, I'm reaching out to people, and I want them to understand that there's something already available, but it's on them to take a step of faith. You got to take a step of faith. Put an action to your belief and see what God will do. We access the grace by faith. Remember the very first verse we started with. Paul says, I'm speaking by the grace. And then he says, to every man is given faith because they're going to work together, faith and grace, faith and grace. Real practical, but so important. Ephesians 3 and 11, this makes the interesting point on concerning our faith. Ephesians 3 and 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose, there it is again, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access, here it is, with confidence by the faith of him by the faith of him now that takes a whole nother level to faith Do you know that faith <laughs> actually the life we now live Galatians 2 and 20 and 22 and 3 through there he says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ is living in me and the life which I now live come on with me I live by the faith of the Son of God. That means Jesus' faith is in me. So you know, Pastor, my faith's feeling kind of weak. I'm just afraid. Well, good. Stop trying to do it on your own anyways. Let the faith of Christ in you begin to rise up and do some stuff. You know, Jesus is just itching to do something through you. And we keep shutting him down with our unbelief our unbelief but he's just itching to do something here so that verse Ephesians 3 11 and 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence oh God let us with confidence approach this grace that you've said is available to us by the faith of him amen I might be feeling kind of weak but Jesus you're on the inside of me and it ain't about me anyways it's about you 
and I'm going to put my confidence in you. I was reminded as I was pondering this principle of when we were in the Ukraine years ago. That was an, that was an interesting trip. We got stretched in the Ukraine, I want you to know. It was bitter cold. There was, how many, eight of us stuffed in this, I mean, it was, it was something. Eighteen on our trip? That many? I just remember eight people stuffed in something real small. That's what I remember. I mean, we were, we were just crammed in there. And if you were in the back, you were freezing. If you were in the front, you were suffocating from the one heater that was down on the bottom. But anyways, I, I can remember just being stretched and stretched and stretched. And, and, and we didn't really know how and who we were going to be ministering to. We were going to a Bible college, a Pentecostal Bible college that had, had been underground during communism. And now they were beginning to emerge and so on. And so we were out. And they had, a, they had charted us to go out into these rural places and minister in some communities and stuff. And I had no idea when I'd be preaching and when I wouldn't be preaching, what I'd be preaching sometimes. No idea. So we'd been ministering, and I had shot most of my arrows, you know, my ministry arrows. The, the few that I brought, they were gone. And we're going down the road, and they say, oh, by the way, next stop, um, we've got a, we're in a little community, and we're, we've, we've asked you know, some of the pastors and the people that come out, and we're, we're going to have an outdoor meeting, and you're preaching. So I'm in the car, and I'm thinking, I got about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm getting this heads up. Oh, God. What am I supposed to say? What am I going to do? So we get there, this really rural community, all these babushkas, these round-faced women, the beautiful women, but just way out in the back of nowhere, okay? All wrapped up, and they're all, and all these people start gathering around this little wooden house church thing and they all start coming out there and I'm standing up there and I, I mean the whole time I've got this wrestling match going on God what am I going to say what do you, you ever been in that kind of a place what am I going to do well let me tell you this is the point where the principle kicks in by faith I'm getting ready to access some grace I'm getting ready to access some grace that I believe is resident on my life Jesus said don't worry what you're going to say in that hour. My Father will give you the words you need to speak when you need to speak them. Well, I'm pulling on that scripture like really hard right now, just pulling on it. Oh, God. Like trying to milk a cow. I'm like, come on, God, i got to have something here. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it just, you ever, you ever milk, milk the sermon? Yeah, right. All of a sudden, well, my wife will attest to this. This is no boasting because it would be a total violation of anything. But I tell you, I felt the Spirit of God as I just opened my mouth. And I began to talk from the parables of Jesus and the Mount of, you know, uh, the Beatitudes and so on. You know, just all the principles of consider the lilies, consider the birds. And the Spirit of God came, people weeping, crying out in the middle of nowhere I'm thinking God you know this wasn't about me to begin with it was about your love for these people and you heard the cry of these people and it was your, your desire just to have somebody who would be willing to show up and trust God by faith to pour through your life something and I'm telling you this is what I believe God's saying will you step up and step out and let me fill your mouth now I'm not talking about presumption I'm just talking about genuinely looking for the will of God but don't disqualify yourself because you haven't got it all outwardly together come on there's grace already that's God's ability to do it it's already there but somebody's got to access the grace by faith and faith means I'm going to trust you faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen God I don't see a sermon but by faith I'm going to have one in the moment that I need it, or whatever your situation, or whatever the, the demand and the need might be. Faith by way of design, divine design. I'm going to go 10 more minutes here. Watch, you talk about a miracle working God. Now, I'm always trying to be sensitive to how much we can digest in any one setting. Faith, by nature, by God's design, depends often on patience. You know, faith and patience. So we've talked about grace and faith. Now we're talking about grace, faith, 
and patience. Grace, faith, and patience. I believe that patience is an essential ingredient when it comes to our faith because patience purifies our motives. Patience purifies our motives. I gave a little kind of joking thing the other day. The Bible says, run with patience the race that is set before you. And I said, you know, patience is like my running partner. And I was thinking about it later, later, you know, how you're running along through life and you get a little discouraged and here comes this running partner, patience. She's with you to encourage you. But I thought about patience. I thought, you know, the problem I have with patience is she runs too slow. (laughs) That's the problem I'm having with patience. She runs too slow. Patience, if you could just pick up your pace a little bit I would joyfully embrace you as my running partner. But the problem with patience is she runs too slow. My wife and I experience this a lot. We go for walks on the beach. And I've got this kind of gait, you know. This is my power walk. And she just enjoys the beauty of it all. Which is awesome. But I'm on a mission. If we're going to go for a walk, I'm going to get some exercise. I mean, something's going to happen here. And she's, she's just soaking in the stuff. And Faith and patience. Faith and patience. You say, Pastor, you know, I've been, I've been believing God for big things, and I've been wanting to do big things, and I've got, I feel the grace, the stirring, and I, be, I believe there's a calling there. And, I, and I've tried to put my faith out there, and it hasn't really happened like I thought. Let me tell you, likely is you're in a place where God's saying, I'm tempering your faith and grace so that as it comes forth, it's going to come forth with such authority and, and effect that it's going to be worth it. Okay? So you need to understand that when I have, when you step out in faith, because that's what we're, I'm trying to get you stirred up to, okay? Step out in faith. There is this element of faith and patience, and patience helps purify our motives and makes us a vessel of honor before the Lord. Hebrews 6, I've got to read fast here. Hebrews 6, 7, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them who, uh, to whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected. It's near cursing whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation Though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, and you do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them, and here it is, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That whole context is, don't be like those who received the rain, the blessing of God, and then just brought forth a bunch of thorns. Bring forth fruit to God, and by the way, for that to happen, it's going to take some patience on your part. Don't be slothful, but follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, Multiplying, I will multiply you. And so here it is, again, after he had patiently endured, say patiently endured, he obtained the promise. We think of Abraham, we think, oh, Abraham got such a promise from God, I'm going to bless you and your seed. But you know, it took some time for this thing to happen. It took some time. And uh, God's wanting to so bless a people, but he wants to know if that people... Um, are in it for the right reason and patience will be part of the one who helps bring that up to the surface and helps deliver us because the question is what are you going to do if it doesn't happen when and how you thought I'm talking to somebody today you know you started out a certain way and it went a little different than you thought but what are you going to do now are you going to stay stay the path though the path become difficult I love that wonderful passage, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Isn't he so good? He leads me beside the still waters. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Oh, I love those paths of righteousness. It's awesome. You're wonderful. Though I 
pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, time out. We just went from green pastures and still waters and the Lord is my shepherd and all that wonderful stuff. And he's leading me in paths of righteousness. Oh, I love the way you lead me, Lord. And then we're in the valley of the shadow of death. How did that doesn't even line up with this whole theme that we've been on? God says, oh, no. There is something absolutely important about that part of the path because it's there on that part of the path you're going to learn to not fear any evil because I am with you. And you see, I've got, I got to have you know that I'm with you when things are good and I'm with you when things are not looking so good. I stay the same. And God says, I can never teach you that unless you let me take you. And by the way, the fact that you followed me on this path into the valley of the shadow of death, the fact that you were willing to walk with me down here shows me where your heart is. You're not just in this for all the glamour and the glitter that people can give you. You're in it because you love me. And you don't know that until he says, let's go this way. <laughs> let's go. That doesn't look like a good place, God. Well, it is what he said. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 10, 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But you are not of them who draw back. Thank you, writer of Hebrews. You are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Wow. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to get the fire hose out here and just shoot you with it. You ready? So we got grace. It's a gift. <clears throat> and now we have this thing called faith, which is also a gift. And we access the grace through the faith that we've received. And we've said that the faith that I have for it to work properly is going to take some patience along the way. So don't get discouraged because it's not all happening like you thought. Let faith and patience access grace that's eternal and not temporary and that's all good but then there's one last little piece I gotta lay down here just take the note and you can ponder it and chew it later and that is this that faith actually works by love faith works by love you say well my faith isn't really doing a whole lot right now well guess what faith works by love Galatians 5 and 6 for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision profits anything or uncircumcision but faith which works by love. Now, I just say it this way. I like to think of it like this. Love's a powerful thing. Love for God, love for myself, and love for other people. My faith, the thing that's going to move me into action, should be for the love of God. God, you gave your everything for me, and now here's my faith. For love of God, my faith is going to work, and by, by, for the love of God, I'm going to step out here. I'm going to play the piano because I love you, God. Amen. Also, should love myself. People struggle with this, but don't, you know, think of it this way. Oh, the scripture's clear. Great commandment. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you've got to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. I believe that. David said, you know, Lord, I hate the things you hate, and I love the things you love. Well, guess what? God loves you. Well, I know he loves me, but I can't love me. Wait a minute. David said, I hate what you hate, and I love what you love. And if you love me, then I'm supposed to love me. Did you catch that? I'm supposed to love me. All right? Yeah. Well, I love my neighbor as myself. That's great. But if I don't love me, then I'm not going to be loving my neighbor properly anyways. So here's the simple, simple thing. Okay? God, I'm going to use my faith to access the grace on my life. And I'm going to do it with the motive of love. I'm going to do it because I love you. That means I'm going to step out in faith. You know, when I'm in the Ukraine, God, I'm doing this for you. If I'm an idiot when it's all over with, I was an idiot to you, Lord. I did it, I did it as unto you. I'm, I'm going to do it for Jesus' sake, right? But I'm also going to do it for my own sake. Now, you say, Pastor, that seems awful selfish. Wait a minute. I love God, and I also love me. And when I say I do it for my own sake, you know, the Bible's clear. 
that I'm going to get rewards for my life in Christ. And don't act all hyper-spiritual on me right now. Bottom line is, when it comes time to pass over into the next life, I want every possible reward God made available to me. He's going to say to some, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. Here it is. If rewards weren't important, why did Jesus say, to him that overcomes, I will give? If rewards don't matter. I'm telling you, it's really important. So I love me because God loves me. And when it's all over with, part of my faith thing is, you know, God, I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. And when it's all said and done, I don't want to stand there and regret the fact. So I love myself enough not to just waste my life doing nothing things. I love me enough to do something with my life. And if, God, you gave it to me, I'm going to lay hold of that. So that's a great thing. The other thing, the last thing is this. I'm going to love my neighbor. Part of my faith motive, I hope you're with me because I'm almost done. I'm, I'm really trying hard. My faith motive, love for God, I love myself, I also love people. Did you know that there's people, if you and I don't step out in faith and access grace that will suffer, there are people around us who will never know about Jesus. There are people around us who will never receive the encouragement they need. And for love of people, even if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for people who need you and need me to access grace by faith. Amen. For love's sake. Love of God, love of myself, love of people. All right, stand up. Please. It sounded like a commandment that was really just kind of an invitation. Yes, sir, yeah, I made you kind of want to just salute, didn't it? I mentioned last week that some messages are inspirational, they get you all excited. Other messages are a little more practical and uh, how the pieces work, mechanical in nature. I kind of feel like this is a little bit of the mechanics, but I think it's oh so important. Oh so important that we understand the mechanics here. Because you've got grace you've received. With it, you've got some faith which is waiting for you to step out in, right? And faith is going to need a little patience along the way. And faith works by love. Amen. God, I love you. So I feel the grace on my life. It's not just happening. i got to step out, and, and I, by faith, I'm going to do something. <laughs> you know, some, there, there's, a, there's a unique grace called the grace of giving. It's one of the list in this actually passage, Romans 12. And maybe God's been speaking to you about blessing somebody, you know? Maybe there's somebody out there, God's been your neighbor, God's been dealing with you about or something. You think, I don't know, let me just encourage you today. Why don't you just take a step of faith and bless them? Why don't you just trust God <laughs> and see how he meets you right there for love sake. Father, I want to thank you right now. I just ask your blessing over this beautiful congregation. Yeah, Lord, I know. So much to get done. Works ordained from the foundation of the world for us to walk in. Lord, I thank you today that you're stirring us up. You're awakening us, Lord, to these good works. They're not just vain, dead works. They're living works that you've ordained. And I thank you, Father, for now helping us with just real practical pieces like faith, like love, like patience, endurance. Lord, I'm asking even now that you would just come and visit each person in this building today and those watching by internet with such a living word about their walk with you and the grace they've received. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we were going to sing a song, but I think we're going to let you go because I went a little long. I love you guys. 
thank you. If you need prayer, um, find somebody standing beside you and ask them to pray for you.